Hi, this is Jim Martin with Little Things First, and I just wanted to make a clarification to this episode of Little Things First. We interview Dr. Ruchi Ranganath, and uh, in the episode, we incorrectly state that she teaches at SFSU. That is not true. She actually teaches at the University of San Francisco. We apologize for the miscommunication, and now enjoy the episode. What's up, Tracy? Yo, yo, Jimbo. <laughs> Welcome to another Little Things First podcast. Hey, yeah, Little Things First. I was thinking, what nickname do you have you ever had when you've been growing up? TJ2. That was a <laughs> common TJ2, one. TJ2, really? Mm-hmm, because my sisters are named Tanya and Terry, and my name is Tracy. Oh, wow. And we're all T's, and like people would stumble over our names, especially when they were really mad at us. And so they would just like count us, and I'm the middle child, so I was number two. Oh, I see. Do you hate it? TJ2. Nope. No, oh, I love good. it. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's start off with a quick learning. So mine's kind of silly, but you know, as I was on my way up to record our podcast, I yeah. was chewing on a cinnamon candy and <laughs> I broke my tooth. You didn't and, really break it. Well, it came off. It was a Sucked veneer. Sucked it out with the yeah. adhesiveness of the gummy bear. So be careful with those cinnamon candies. Yeah. 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 Or uh, don't have crowns. Right. Just take the tooth out. <laughs> right. So anyway, that was my learning is, you know, I'm getting older. You got to yeah. be a little bit more careful with what you're chewing. All right. Here's my uh, learning for this last week. The best antidote for fear is action. Nice. I know. Actually, I really like it because sometimes I like get all scared about like, oh, shoot, what if I can't do it? Or what if I look bad? Or, you know, in fact, you're encouraging me to get started on the podcast is a perfect example. We talked about it for a while. And for whatever reason, I kind of hesitated. And I think there was a little self-consciousness there. And so the best antidote, antidote for that was that we just did it. Yeah. And it's not as scary now. Yeah. Sometimes you just kind of wallow in things and like, well, let's figure this out, all the details before we start. And then time goes by and you've missed an opportunity. So, Or you just keep replaying over your head what could go wrong or could happen. And so the truth is, if you just get started, you realize, oh yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's not a problem. Very nice. Yours is much more, yours is deeper than mine. (laughs) I'll come up with a gummy bear next one. Okay. (laughs) All right. Today we are going to be talking to Dr. Ragnath and we think her name is Ruchi, her first name. She works for San Francisco State University and we're just going to have to apologize to her that we are not exactly sure how to say her name. So she's one of those celebrities. Remember I told you about, we don't know how to say her name because she's not on entertainment tonight. Not yet, anyways. Right. Okay. Let's go ahead and give her a call. Here we go. This is always so exciting, this whole... This calling part. Right. Hello. Hi, is this Ruchi? 
Yes. Hi. Hi. Listen, we really want to know if we said your name right. That's correct. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. We had like this whole anxiety about it. And uh, oh. so. <laughs> <laughs> and how do, and what about your last name? How do you say that? Um, so I, I, it's a funny thing, but I kind of go by two last names. My like professional sort of publishing last name is Agarwal Ranganath, but then at work or, you know, my day-to-day name is just Ranganath. Ranganath. We did not say that part right. We got the Ruchi <laughs> part, but not the other one. Yeah. I'm so glad I'll- you clarified. This, oh no problem! I'm Jim. I've been taking. Yeah, I've been communicating with you over email, and so yes. thank you so much. And this is my colleague Tracy, and we host Little Things First. So, and we are so excited actually to hear about you. We, you know, we're both in the school system. We're both you know working with teachers and working with kids, and uh, social studies is just an area that kind of gets lost, right? It it's, yeah, it's not yeah. present because we don't test so. Mm-hmm. Tell us a, tell us a, what what your thoughts are on that. Sure. Um, so my background is in elementary education. So I was a teacher first and taught in um, both East San Jose and New York City for five years. Um, so I can I definitely know the conversation around social studies and and how it's being marginalized. And it's it's interesting because, you know, um, and now that I'm in teacher education, um, the, I, I teach courses on social studies and students keep coming back to me saying, you know, like social studies is not taught. And if it is taught or cooperating teachers are only using textbooks. So it's a, sort of this area that, you know, there's not a lot of PD, there's not a lot of part time, there's not a lot of accountability. So when there is space to teach it, um, it's taught in a way that isn't um, always aligned with teachers' visions or hopes for what social studies can and could look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a principal at an elementary school. And what we've been trying to do is look at ways that we keep embedding it kind of in a cross-curriculum way because mm-hmm. uh, there's so much pressure already to, to mm-hmm. we're kind of in a mild turnaround sort of status, right? Not completely full on, but we have been in, on alert status. And so we have even more pressure from the state that, boy, when those assessments come in the spring, we got to be ready and we have to be mm-hmm. ready for what they're going to be, you know, measuring our skills on. But I think that that's been one of the most manageable ways for us, but I still don't feel like we're doing it justice. We're not going deep enough on really helping students understand, right, all that's mm-hmm. encompassed in history and social studies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you seen yes. that in other places, or do you have better advice for us? No, I, I definitely agree. Um, so I I do think that finding ways to teach social studies that's integrated into literacy or language arts is a really powerful way to teach social studies and, um, and a more manageable way and also aligned with the common core, the way that it's set out. If you know, your school or districts really focused on common core and preparing students for the test. So, um, but how do we sort of also teach social studies from a critical justice oriented perspective? And, um, I can share a little bit from the, um, 
book that I wrote a few years ago, which was really um, about this whole issue because I taught a course called um, Social Studies, Language, Art, Language Arts and Social Study and Social Justice in the elementary classroom. And like I mentioned, our candidates would keep coming back and mm-hmm. saying, you know, I love this, but it's all theory, you know, like, Mm -hmm. what does it look like when we put it into practice? Because we don't see it um, in our many of our cooperating teachers teaching for social justice. We don't see, um, and if we do see social justice, social studies taught, um, it's so minimal. It's like twice a week. So what I basically did is um, go back and look at every sort of text that I could find that was more practice oriented that really bridged the theory to practice gap around Mm -hmm. social justice oriented social studies. So I looked at like rethinking schools and teaching tolerance and some of Christine um, Sleater's work and um, some other, you know, scholars that um, really tried to think deeply about this and sort of pulled out all the strategies I could find really practical strategies because I found that's what my candidate, my students really wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I developed a framework that could help them take this framework and apply it to um, a textbook or to a certain theme or idea or content that they um, wanted to teach. So basically what this framework looked like was the beginning is like inspiring wonder, curiosity, which some might think about as a um, anticipatory anticipatory set mm-hmm. or like a hook, right? Like, right. what are we doing um, to really evoke that sort of critical thinking about this theme or idea? Um, and then it was around painting the picture where students were, instead of like reading a passage in the textbook, but like acting like historians. So they were looking at primary sources that were really delved deep into multiple perspectives, because I think that's something that definitely gets lost in textbooks. And so really um, highlighting the voices of um, folks and communities that are traditionally silenced or marginalized in our textbooks and showing the strengths and assets of these communities um, within um, this idea of painting the picture. And then the third aspect was application where students kind of take everything they've learned through painting the picture. Maybe they looked at primary sources and secondary sources. They looked at films, they read books, they had guest speakers. So they're really delving into this moment and trying to learn as much as they can. But then the application part is having like a point of synthesis, like trying to make sense, putting just like historians do, trying to put together the puzzle and and understand like what really happened during this event. And then the, and, um, and, and in social studies, we might see these three components happening, but I think where it's, more heavily grounded in social justice is the next two parts of the framework where one is the fourth is the painting the picture, I'm sorry, connecting the past to the present where um, students are understanding how our past informs our present and also how um, events in history continue to happen, right? And are really directly tied to um, history, 
Mm-hmm. And the last piece is facilitating action. You know, when we learn about injustice, when we learn our history is complex, when we learn that certain groups have power and others don't, and some have been silenced, some have not, like, how do we begin to, like, fight for change? How do we be... Um, work as change agents with our, in our schools and our communities and world um, to make a difference. Yeah, boy. And, and this is in a book, you said that your first book, because I know you have yes. a second one coming, right? No, a third, a, a third one, third, right? third one. Oh, sorry, I'm yeah. not keeping up. Um, this is in the first book. So, okay. um, and, and the other part that's really interesting in the book is that I, I show also in painting in the picture and application how you can embed these ideas within language arts. So what would a writer's workshop look like that was writing from a more critical component or a reader's workshop or some ideas like that? So I'm curious because um, I... Um led a group in Salt Lake when I was there um, that was called Leaders for Equity and Social Justice. And so we had a group of principals and other educational leaders that were part of this and discussing as a district, how do we address this? I'm curious about the concept of social justice and how it doesn't become watered down like Mm -hmm. so many other terms in um, education. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, we call ourselves a social justice teacher education program, and we have students come to our program because that's what they long for. Um, But even with that, how they define social justice and what they believe social justice to be is all across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I think think that is tricky. So your question is, like, how do we... um, have a common definition or like a collective idea around social justice? Yeah. Avoid it becoming, you know, just one of those terms that we throw around in education that eventually becomes meaningless because it's interpreted in so many different ways. Mm -hmm, How would you mm -hmm. define social justice? Maybe start there. Yeah, I think, I think that's um, an important idea. So I've kind of played, um, thought about, the idea of social justice and also what it means to teach for social justice. And so maybe I could speak to the second part around teaching for social justice. Um, Cause I think I have more clarity around that Perfect. than versus social justice. Um, so when I think about the idea of teaching for social justice, I think about ideas like, deconstructing who we are and um, really thinking about our identity and and the and, and the narratives we carry with us and part of teaching for social justice and social justice is constantly having an awareness around that and um, and learning about ourselves and our students and I think that's really important in the communities that they come from and the assets and strengths they um, bring to our classrooms. Um, Secondly is this idea of understanding systems and power, both for, and I, I see this as, you know, straddling both components, the work that we're doing as teachers and educators, but also what we're teaching our students as well, because I don't see them as separate. I think that we constantly have to like, 
work on ourselves and understand as much as we can, especially when we're doing work that's quote unquote called social justice. Um, so this idea of understanding systems and um, power, understanding how we are part of an, a whole, understanding race, discrimination, and groups that are marginalized and multi multiply marginalized, um, the idea of like building community and solidarity, um, creating curriculum that reflects the communities that we work with, the uh, representation, like what we're teaching, who we're teaching about, what's on our bulletin boards, what are the books that we have in the classroom. Um, and then the last piece, I think, is really around transformation and change. How do we do, um, how do we collectively imagine um, a different world? And how do we sort of um, prepare our students to gain a critical consciousness and analysis of themselves and the world around them and see themselves as um, that they can make change, that that's possible, that things don't have to always stay the same. How do you um, handle uh, critiques uh, of social justice teaching? Because I think what stands in the way for a lot of teachers is, well, I'm afraid to go there. You know, I don't know exactly mm -hmm. how my community or parents are going to receive that or if I'm going to be, mm -hmm. you know, suddenly thrust into the news. And so, you know, how do you maybe address that with your students? Yeah, that's a really tricky, um, tricky because we have, at least in my program, we have students that work in parochial schools. We have students that work in charter schools. We have students that work in, you know, traditional public schools, private schools, um, and different schools have different cultures of what they're comfortable with and what they're not. Um, we have some teachers that try to do the work by closing the classroom door. We have some teachers that feel very comfortable asserting their viewpoints and are affirmed by the community and parents. I think for me, the main thing that I say is that you really need to be upfront with the parents and the community and your administration, um, why you're doing this work, why you believe in it, whether it's back to school night or um, letters that you send home every month explaining what you're doing, why you're doing it. I think it's always important to share multiple perspectives so that it's not like you're trying to indoctrinate your students. You're just showing them perspectives that have been silent. So it's allowing students to kind of learn about um, other ideas. And, um, and I think that I always also encourage students to um, be part of collectives and be part of groups that are um, aligned with um, the social justice values that they might be trying to um, teach about in the classroom because I think that collectives are extremely important because they can help advocate for you. They can help um, support you, give you lesson ideas, and just being part of a group helps you sustain the work because I think even just trying to teach for social justice is, feels oftentimes like something outside or different than the curriculum that you're expected to teach. So it can be really exhausting and tiring. And so this way um, it gives you that sustenance and self-care that you might need through by joining collectives and groups. I have a question just to go a little bit deeper there. So mm -hmm. uh, we 
are trying to spend time in our podcast, focusing on the little things that we can do that make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking mm-hmm. about social justice, right, there are some little things that we can do. And I've, I've heard you bring up some things, even though we haven't sort of isolated them, but even just thinking about who we are and our own identity, right? That goes mm-hmm. a long ways. And our, our students, we don't ask them to do that and to see how they fit into the society as a whole or as even just within our own culture and right. Um, mm-hmm. Even looking at the ways that you talked about uh, joining up with different cooperatives, right? Or different organizations or groups so that you can kind of be part of a bigger whole. But I, I had a thought that I was, as a, as a leader, I was worried about like, how would I measure social justice in my building? And I'm curious what you would, what you would say. Hmm. Like, measure like well if you came the to work. my yeah if you came to my building is there a mm-hmm. way that we can see maybe gestures or ways that we interact or you know just the way that the work's being done that would help mm-hmm. us know that we are addressing social justice issues yeah i think i mean i think the work is really complex and nuanced but i think to to big, big pieces, especially when we're talking about little things first, but little things that actually make a big impact Mm -hmm. are, um, one is like, what's on the walls? I Mm -hmm. I immediately, when I walk into a teacher's classroom and look on the walls, it's really easy for me to kind of assess um, what's happening in the classroom, what kind of curriculum is being taught. Um, So just that, is is huge. I think if you as a school leader can walk into your teacher's classrooms and um, immediately like who's on the wall, is there, um, is there, does it reflect the community that you teach? Um, is it, when we think about windows and mirrors, is there um, diversity, complexity? Are you representing different groups? And back to the idea of groups that are especially multiple marginalized are Mm -hmm. those reflected on the walls Mm -hmm. Um, I think a second piece that may seem little but has big impact is the relationships that are happening with the school Mm -hmm. and sometimes those are easy to observe and and to me is a big idea is the the are are they humanizing relationships is Um, Do they reflect the strengths and assets that students are bringing into the classroom? Are things going home translated? um, Do teachers have good relationships with the families and the communities? Do students feel loved? Do they feel safe to go to school? Um, And sometimes you can get a feel for that just by also just stepping into a teacher's classroom, the way they interact with students. Those are really good examples. Thank you. I appreciate that because I I feel like, uh, and Jim maybe alluded to this a little bit, that sometimes that conversation goes on and and it shifts and people come up with different definitions. And and what you just gave us were two very, you know, kind of concrete things we could start doing tomorrow Mm -hmm. and really try to start having uh, an impact. Doesn't have to all be fixed at one in one fell swoop, Mm -hmm. but that it it builds the power and it grows and it gives Mm -hmm. us a different feel and a different level of welcomeness and, uh, you know, really empowering 
um, our students, uh, all of our students, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate you taking time to kind of lay that out for us because I, I think we all mean well. We all want to do what's right, and uh, we get kind of bogged down, and and I think that what you gave us it, are things that we can start right away. Mm-hmm. Great. So um, I have a question about your latest book. It's called Planting the Seeds of Equity, Ethnic Studies and Social Justice in the K-2 Classroom, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Through Teachers College Press. And um, <clears throat> I've tried to buy it a couple of times, and it's not out yet. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's how I know it's coming up in March, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the book and how is it different than what you've done previously? What's the, I mean, obviously it's focused on K2 classrooms. Mm-hmm. What what kind of an approach do you take in this book? Yeah, definitely. Um, so this book I'm actually like most, most proud of because it's um, it's just a collection of of these beautiful stories that are written by teachers. And so the book started out as me as a mom because, you know, my work is in elementary, but I always taught upper elementary. And so now I have a five-year-old and seven-year-old. And at the time when I first started, they were two years younger, but um, I started like hearing things um, about my daughter, you know, not not wanting to wear, Uh, only wanted to wear princess dresses with princesses with blonde hair or my son, you know, talking about skin color. And, and as a mom um, and a scholar and someone who identifies as a social justice educator, I didn't know how to address this because Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't, I had never worked with young children before. So um, it started as like a research project where I wanted to really understand how early childhood educators were doing this work. Like, how were they addressing inequity and um, teaching for social justice and ethnic studies in early childhood classrooms, all the way from like transitional kindergarten to second grade? Um, So I started just talking with teachers that I knew and it sort of snowballed and then they connected me with other teachers and um, what I really wanted it to be was a book because I did not feel like an expert in any way. I wanted them to really write their story and write their write about their practice and the work that they were doing. So I just write the introduction. I talk about how um, it felt for me as someone first generation growing up and not feeling represented, not feeling like I had a voice, really struggling um, in my K through even college experience to um, understand my identity and to really develop my own narrative and analysis of the world around me. And so I kind of share that in the introduction, but then each it goes into a chapter where each teacher and they have different strengths. Like um, my aunt has a a chapter in there. Her name is Ruby and she talks about how she integrates yoga and mindfulness into the classroom. Um, Judy, a colleague of mine um, who is a first grade teacher in Los Angeles talks about how she built an Asian American museum within her school Mm. with her students because she really wanted to feel them represented and 
couldn't do so, like feel representative in the curriculum. Um, Farima um, does this beautiful way of using songs. So she'll take a song students know, but rewrite it to talk about solidarity or issues like colonization. Um, another teacher, Amalia, um, really uses these beautiful personal stories that she, uh, that of her own to connect with her students and allows herself to be so vulnerable in the classroom. But that's how she creates these like bridges between school and the community and her students. So um, there's just some really powerful examples in there and beautifully written by the teachers and really um, showcasing what it means to teach for social justice and ethnic studies. And like we kind of started out in the conversation, their definitions of social justice might vary um, and ethnic studies, but the work that they're doing is really powerful. And then what I do is put questions at the end of each chapter for the readers to kind of reflect on, especially around how what they read about might align or um, contradict their ideas around social justice. So it becomes like the book is basically supposed to be like a professional dialogue um, between all of us to think about this work. What's so powerful about that is, you know, sometimes our K2 teachers are like, oh, my kids are not big enough yet, or, you know, mm-hmm, we can't talk mm-hmm. about that. But the truth is the K2 kids are the ones who are actually having really out front uh, conversations in the hallway about things that older students, it's already been sort of beat out of them that we don't talk about that, you know, or we don't, you know, that's not what we say. I love the authenticness of those young people and the, the way that kids think at that level. And just the idea that you have a teacher there helping to guide and open up um, opportunities for conversations is really powerful. Yeah. And what was outstanding, like all of the teachers, they all say like, now is the time. Yeah. Like you don't need to yeah. hold anything back. Right. And, um, and they will get it and they will understand and they will want to talk about it. And the reason I title it planting the seed is that, you know, when we do this work, like I started in graduate school, like I have to deconstruct yeah. and um, everything and decondition everything that I've learned where if students, you can plant that seed and hope it grows like it, um, they, that's what they know. And, and that's where they begin to develop from. And so it becomes a really powerful shift and transformation in what schooling looks like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, and, and you're absolutely right. And if you could I'm thinking about my own building again, right? If if we could create a way for us to sort of kick that off and then just continue to build on the ideas and the conversations and support student learning, um, it, it would really shift, I think, the way that our students interact and the way that we look at our ourselves and how we sit, how we fit into, you know, our communities and history and all the different stories that are there. I, I love that idea. Mm. But now Jim jumped in and he went ahead and read the second book. We we can't go for the third book. Well, excuse me, the third uh, book. Yeah. We cannot go by without saying all the names of all the books because I need to go buy them. <laughs> and I nobody has said them enough for me and I haven't I haven't written them down. So would you Dr. Raganoff, would you go ahead and just tell us the titles of the books? 
Of course. And I hope I get them right because they all have really long titles. (laughs) Well, then give us the Cliff Note version, whatever we can get so we can find them on Amazon. (laughs) Okay. And thank you. Thank you for supporting me and supporting the work. But um, the first book is, okay, it's around literacy, social studies, and social justice in the Common Core classroom. And is this the one you talked about before, right? Where we have kind of a a structure that can help. Okay, perfect. Yes, something like that. And then um, the second book is more geared toward middle school and high school. Okay. Um, But that was um, Becoming a Renegade, Preparing Teachers to Teach for Social Justice. Okay. And the book that comes out in March is um, Planting the Seeds of Equity. Love that. Ethnic Studies and Social Justice in the K-2 through Classroom. Okay. So you've done like the whole gamut. You've done like kindergarten all the way through high school. So I'm trying. I'm trying <laughs> to learn. And, and teachers are the best way to learn uh, the best to learn from. So it's, it's been exciting to kind of, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. understand these different worlds. Yeah. We if have, you, we well, have one question yeah. we usually end with, and, um, we would like to know if we put you in a time machine and sent you back to your younger self, what advice would you give your younger self as an educator to, to talk about the little things that make a big difference? Yeah, I thought that was such a great question. I think I would tell my younger self to really read as much as I can to learn about different communities and people and um, and to love myself and to know that you are more than what you see and understand. Wow, yeah, that's great. That sounds like your, your next book. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> things I tell my younger self. Yeah. Because all those things were really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's really powerful. We've really enjoyed talking to you. And I, as an instructional coach, don't see very much social studies teaching in classrooms yeah. because people are so focused on math and language arts. Um, so this has given me kind of a renewed energy to encourage people to number one teach social studies and then mm-hmm. to really go deeper with social studies and then just mm-hmm. some of the facts and um some of the the basic things that get taught in social studies maps and you know locations of places and that sort of thing that right. don't inspire kids to be right. the kinds of people that we want them to be so anyway mm-hmm. yeah let's move past the facts yeah and let's let's go a little deeper that's good Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. We yeah, really appreciate so it. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it too. And I appreciate you reaching out and it was a wonderful conversation. So thank you. All yeah. right. Best of luck. Enjoy the rest okay. of your day. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, Jim. Yeah. Before we end up, you know, hanging up on our podcast for today, is it okay if we just take a minute to remind people about what we're doing next week? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Let's if you haven't it. already bought the book, The Progress Principle, Using Small Wins to Ignite Joy, Engagement, and Creativity at Work, that is the book study that Jim and I are doing right now, and we're going to be talking about it at our next podcast. So go find the book. It's got a big blue cover with all these sun rays on it and kind of a little Amazon-like smile on it. But it has been a life-changing book for me. 
and I would love for you to join us in the discussion. Yeah, I can't wait because I there are I have lots of questions. Lots so. of questions. All right, thank you very much. Everybody have a fantastic day. <laughs>